You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Hey, how are you? Welcome back. So glad that you're here. Um, If this is your first Sunday back, um, we're so glad that you came to join us this morning. Um, Everybody that's watching online, we're, we're really glad that you're joining us via that platform as well. And so... This was kind of really the, the Sunday where we were going to see, once we opened up fully our children's ministry, how much re-engagement we got. And so what we're basically going to do the next couple of weeks as we work, towards, work through the summer months is kind of gauge um, the crowd sizes and then slowly but surely begin to add rows back into the seating. And so there will be some more uh, seats available as the weeks come, come together. And so basically our strategy is... Sorry, we, we have a brand new microphone, so we're going to have to work on that for just a second if you'll be patient with us. And so um, basically, we're going to start adding rows to the outside, and so we will have a couple of sections with social distancing available and a couple sections without the six foot, uh, without the every other row thing that's, that we've been having to do throughout the summer. And so anyway, we're just going to continue to monitor what's going on health-wise here in our county with COVID-19 and try to respond to that. Uh, but here's the... Here's the reality of where we're going to go in the next several months and as we step into the fall and even into a new year next year is everybody is going to have to re-engage at some point and, uh, and really take risks. Uh, we we uh, eventually are going to have to fully re-engage with work, with our social structures, with school, uh, as, we, as Mark said earlier, with athletics, all those different things that are going to begin to happen. And so um, I just want to tell, tell everybody thank you so much for your cooperation um, your patience as we've, we've been walking through this. And, and like every single other person on the planet right now, we're still trying to figure this whole thing out. And so um, as we re-engage, um, if you have any questions for us, you can definitely ask. You can drop questions in the offering box. We'll, we'll definitely um, get those through that. But the best way to do that is through email, info at mygtf.org, and, and those will get to us. Or you can direct message us on Facebook. And so uh, love to have any other questions that you have about reopening and all that stuff. All right, before I jump into the message this morning, I do want to pray for the fathers. Um, Being one, I I feel like that this is a really important day, and it's a really important thing for us as dads to acknowledge the mantle that God placed upon us as fathers to lead not only our families, that's a big enough responsibility, but as fathers to lead our communities. You realize that that is our mandate, men. And, and in so doing, I want to take a second just to pray something over our fathers. I was talking to a, a close friend um, a couple years back, and we were just talking about fatherhood. And, and he was asked, I was talking to him about being the spiritual leader in his home. And he just asked me this question. He's like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be the spiritual leader of your home? And I was like, that's a great question. And so I want you to hear these words of Joshua, Moses' great general, and he eventually led the nation of Israel into the promised land. And this is what he said. This is after he led the nation of Israel into the promised land. They began to drive out the the enemy that was inhabiting the land. And he gave this infamous speech at the end of the book of Joshua where he was challenging the households. He was challenging the men of the nation of Israel to lead their families. And this is, in my opinion, what leading your family spiritually men looks like. And so listen to these words from Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity. Don't let that pass over you guys. Fear the Lord and serve Him with a sincere heart. 
And in faithfulness, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And, it, it, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers sir, you served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that we now dwell. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And as, as men, one of the things that, that our family is waiting for is, is leadership really does matter. And what God is asking us as fathers to do is lead our families into the things of God. Is that we would serve God with sincerity, not phoniness. That we wouldn't play the religion game. But that we would sincerely engage in a relationship with Jesus and fully give Him our heart. And as your family sees you do that, I'm just telling you, evangelism in your household becomes easy. If dad fully embraces the Lord... The statistics say the whole family fully embraces the Lord. That doesn't mean that some people don't struggle with doubt and some people don't believe. It doesn't mean that, but I'm just telling you, whenever dad leads in this capacity, the family's changed. Not only are we called to, to serve the Lord with sincerity, but it is to help our families not become distracted with the idols of this world. That's what Joshua challenged them. Pick what God is going to be your God. And if dad has it firmly within his soul who God is, who the living God of the universe is, he can pass that down to his children from generation to generation to not become distracted with the idols of this world. And so this is what I want to do this morning. That's what it looks like to spiritually lead your family. I want to ask the dads to just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I was going to do that, but we stood up a long time. Raise your hand high and proud. It's an honor to be a dad, isn't it? It's an honor to be a grandfather. And so as, as these men have their hands raised, congregation, I want you to pray for them with me, and I want to bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray for all of these dads and these granddads today. And I ask you, God, as a father myself, we lift our hand to you, God, and we ask you, God, would you help us lead our family? Would you help us lead in our community? I pray, God, that you would bless these men with your power and with your spirit, that you would help them to not become lost or deterred or off track and following different idols, but that you would help them hone in and engage with your spirit and what you're doing in their life right now. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Happy Father's Day, men. If you would open your Bible this morning. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 11. And then we're going to jump over to Genesis chapter 12. So Matthew chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12. We're going to um, finish up the series that I've been in over the last couple of weeks titled Essential. And um, it, kind of what we've been wrestling with in this series is that I just believe that there is a move of God that's happening in the earth right now. It's beginning, it's being born out of the chaos of, uh, that we've been experiencing in the year 2020 um, from March until now and, and coronavirus swept the globe, and, and then all the racial tensions that are happening right now and the protests, and if you haven't noticed, we're in election year, and so it's always going to be crazy. And in the middle of all of that chaos, God is beginning to move. And really, as we've been talking throughout this series, the question that I've been laying at your feet is, are you going to be essential to the move of God in this moment? Are you going to be somebody that is essential to the advancement of God's kingdom in this hour? And so we've talked about what it means to be essential. What it means to be essential is that we begin to um, 
look within ourselves and not trade on somebody else's authority. And I told you exactly how you get spiritual authority. The way that you do that is to become a son or daughter of God. Is that if you are God's child, blood-bought, born again, by the Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ, then you have the same authority that Jesus Himself had. But it's not good enough to just have that authority. We have to walk in that authority. And whenever the, the church begins to own the authority that we have in Christ, then we will become essential to the move of God. It will begin to happen automatically. Last week we talked about being ready in season and out of season. And I really just told you that you have been planted on purpose for a reason in this moment of human history. God intended for you to be right here, right now. And what God calls us to do is to be ready in season and out of season to fulfill our ministry. Do you know that you have a ministry? And God has called you to fulfill it. And we talked a lot about that last week. This week what I want to do is to talk about advancing. Throughout history, there have been divine moments whenever the kingdom of heaven has moved forward significantly. And I believe that we're in one of those moments right now. Look at Matthew chapter 11. I want to, I want to read this this morning. This is whenever Jesus began to talk about the kingdom of heaven's advance with His disciples. And it's based on a conversation that He was having about John the Baptist. And we'll dig into that a little bit. But I just want you to see from the perspective of the greatest theologian that there ever was, the Son of God, He begins to talk to us about how the kingdom works and how it advances. And this is what it says in verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now I want you to look at verse 12 again. I read through that pretty quickly, but I want to, I want to look at that and I want to examine it. Because if you get into any kind of scholarship about this, this passage, and Jesus is really unpacking a lot, this is a really hard verse to translate, and there's a lot of disagreement about what it actually says and means. I read it to you from the NIV, and the NIV says it this way, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people are raiding it. If you would go to the next slide. I actually have these laid out. Now, if you're reading in the NIV, it'll have a footnote, ESV will too, and it'll show you a different way to actually translate that sentence. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people lay hold of it. If you would go to the next slide, maybe two. One more. There you go, right there. So which is it? How do you read this passage really defines how you see the kingdom and its function in the world right now? Should it be read, the kingdom suffers violence? And violent people have been raiding it. So I want you to think about the kingdom of heaven, whatever that looks like in your mind. And is it being attacked? And is it being plundered? Or is it the other way? The kingdom has been forcefully advancing. And forceful people lay hold of it. Listen, it's a big difference. What that basically says, how you read that verse, is is the kingdom of God on offense 
or defense? Which one is it? Are we supposed to hunker down, put up our shields, and just wait until the day of evil passes us by and Jesus will come, wipe all of our tears away, and then we'll be saved? Or are we called to move forward? See, if you look at the the linguistics, and I don't even want to get into all that today, I think that you can figure out what Jesus is trying to say through the context of the passage. He brings up two men as he's talking about this. He brings up Elijah and John the Baptist. And and, And basically, if you look at these two men's lives, John the Baptist was a man who confronted the religious darkness of his day. He went out into the wilderness and he began to baptize people into repentance. And the people that opposed his ministry the most were the Pharisees, the religious crowd. And Jesus, or not Jesus, but John the Baptist began to call out their religiosity and the phoniness with which they approached God. You think about Elijah. Elijah was a man who confronted the pagan wickedness that had overcome Israel. The the pinnacle of Elijah's ministry was whenever he confronted the the prophets of Baal, the priests of Baal that Jezebel had set up in Israel. And through that confrontation, he began to expose the darkness that was going on in their day. Listen, these two men were not men who were playing defense. They were going and taking ground and exposing the darkness that was before them. As a matter of fact, Jesus told Peter this one day and all the rest of his twelve disciples. He said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So listen to me. It is not within my belief system. You get to pick yours, okay? But it is not within my belief system that the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence and it's being overcome by darkness. It's actually the other way around. God is calling us, the bearers of light, to go into dark places and shine a light in the darkness. And guess what? Light always wins. Always. You go into a dark room, you flip on a light bulb, which one wins, dark or light? Every time, it's the light. And so here's the thing is, if your life is going to line up with what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 11, then He is calling you to be on the advance in the move of God that's going on right now. I'll give you a different translation. This is from the the Passion Translation. It's a paraphrase, and I love the way that it puts it. It puts verse 12 this way, From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. That's good stuff. God has called us to, as Joshua said just a second ago, to serve Him with sincerity. And as you passionately go after Jesus, there's something that you're going to lay hold of, the power of God, and that power overcomes every single piece of the enemy's scheme to bring wickedness into this world. Throughout history, there have been moments, divine moments, when the kingdom of heaven has burst forward where we have called a play, where God called a play, and it broke and we went for a touchdown, if you want to think in athletic terms. We're in war terminology where we broke the line and we broke through and the war was won, the battle was won. There have been moments of revival. You think about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost didn't happen in a vacuum. It was a couple minutes after Jesus was executed on a cross. There was a lot of confusion going on. There was a lot of darkness in the earth, if you want to look at it that way. And Jesus told his disciples, wait here for some power. You will lay hold of some power if you'll wait right here for this moment. 
And whenever that moment came, the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter stood up and he preached and 3,000 people got saved. There was this dramatic advance. You think about the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, the revival of Azusa Street in our country. You think about the 1040 window, how it's been really aggressively evangelized over the last 15, 20, even 25 years. Listen, there has been movement after movement of God's kingdom in the earth, and I just am trying to submit to you today, we are at the precipice of something that is in God's heart to move. I don't know about you, but we've been seeing this all year long. It's like, man, I've never seen anything like this. What is going on? Everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now. And God, if you look at the world around you and all the chaos, don't blame that on the Lord, okay? Evil is evil and darkness is darkness. But God has a response. And whenever we as the people of God come into unity with what He's doing, we will all of a sudden see the kingdom begin to move forward. Advance. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully moving forward and forceful, passionate, devoted people lay hold of it. Now, I want to look at Abraham's life if if I can real quick. Just to give you an example, look at Genesis chapter 12. So that was kind of the theology portion. Let me give you an example and then I'll bring it home to you and me, okay? Let's look at Abraham's life to see an example of a life that embraces the adventure of God's advance. And that's really what I want you, as you leave today, to begin to think of this. Because sometimes, whenever we talk about revival and whenever we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it becomes kind of a little bit squishy or it's metaphysical, it's out there, it's eternal, and and maybe it's even a little bit intimidating. But listen, God will come to every single one of us and begin to challenge us to step into an adventure of engaging in His calling on our life. You have a ministry. God's called you to apply your faith to the world around you. And I'm not saying that you're going to be Billy Graham and preach to tens of thousands of people, but what would happen if you led your home into the movement of God? What would happen if you changed your workplace, your school, and you became the bearer of light? That's what God is concerned about, and let the ripple effects take care of themselves. Let me give you an example. Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Actually, let's back up a couple verses to chapter 11, verse 31. This is kind of a preamble to what we're fixing to read. It says, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together, listen to this, from Ur of the Chaldeans, they left a city called Ur, to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Say the word settled. That's important. Whenever they came to Haran, which is about halfway, they stopped and settled. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, let's shift gears. That was kind of the backstory. Now we're going to see God come to Abram, and I want you to listen to what he says. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be blessed. You will be a blessing, sorry. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, 
and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now Abram's story in the beginning was a story of settling for less than God's best. Actually, uh, like the way that Jordan Peterson kind of summarizes the story, he said, you know, this story is probably the Bible's best example of failure to launch. Here's Abram, and he's living in his dad's tent, 75 years old, playing video games, not really finding what he's supposed to be doing in life. That's a little bit of a reach, but it's a great picture. Because here's what you, you, you probably got in the story, is that Abram's dad started a journey. He left the land of the Chaldeans, which is Babylon, which is around Iraq, and he starts traveling down to what would become the land of Israel. And as he begins, he, their, their intention was to go to Canaan, wasn't it? It says Haran was there, and they stopped and settled. It means they just stopped their journey. And Abram's example that he had in his life was one for settling in a place that they hadn't intended to go. Now, make no mistake about it, they prospered in Haran. They became wealthy, they had livestock, they had servants. They built a very, listen to me, I want you to hear what God wants you to hear today. They built a very comfortable life. There wasn't anything going on in the world around them that, that would make them go, you know, let's, let's leave this because we don't have as much as we would like, and let's go to Canaan. They had everything that the world possibly could offer them right there in Haran. Success, wealth, relationships. They had it all there. It was a good place to settle and become comfortable. But listen, God's not asking us to live in a place and settling in a place of comfortable. He's asking us to advance His kingdom. You will not be able to get away from this all of the days that you serve Jesus. If you're looking for a life of ease, do not sign up for the Jesus show. Okay? I think that honestly, I think that we as Christians, we have this, this, this deception that we've sometimes bought that, you know, the perfect world that Jesus wants to implement is a, is a paradise where we have a life of ease. And I want you to know that is not the picture of heaven. I want you to think about the paradise that's outlined for us in the beginning. Think about Adam for just a second. You know that story well enough. In the beginning was Adam. God created him. And the first thing that God do was gave him an adventure to engage in. He told him, I want you to take dominion to bring order to the chaos that's around you. And he put him, it says in Genesis chapter 2, that he put him in the middle of the Garden of Eden, this paradise, this perfect, lush, bountiful place. And he said, I want you to tend it, to subjugate it. I want you to take authority over it. And, and that was Adam's job. That's what he did every single day. That was the reason that he got up in the morning. See, one of the things that we, if we're not careful, we begin to think is, you know, one of these days, and I told you this last week, I'm going to stop punching the clock and I'm going to retire and I'm just going to have some ease in my life. Listen, you may one day retire from your job, but you'll never retire from your calling. You'll never retire from what God has asked you to participate with Him in. And He has called us to advance His kingdom. 
And so I think that one of the things that we have to do is get rid of this idea that paradise equals no work. Paradise equals no assignment. To me, that sounds like a little bit of hell. I don't know if you sat at home very much the last couple of months. But I want to go do something. Now, I want to rest and I want to enjoy. I'm not saying that you should become a workaholic and never enjoy the life that God has given you. I think that that's one of the reminders that the Holy Spirit's been trying to do throughout the coronavirus, is that we should stop the breakneck pace and smell the roses every now and then. But listen, a life that does not have an engaging adventure from God is not overflowing life at all. It's been there from the beginning in the garden, and guess what? It will be there in the end whenever the kingdom comes. Whenever heaven and earth are joined together, do you know one of the metaphors that the, the, the book of Revelation gives is that it's going to be a city? I don't know about you, but I like a city because there's something to do. There's something to engage in. There's going to be worship, and there's going to be relationship, and there's going to be this culture of the kingdom that we get to lay hold of. It's no different for you and I today. God has called us to an adventure to engage with Him in the advancement of His kingdom. So think about this before I shift gears again. What would have happened if Abraham had not embraced that adventure that God laid at his feet? Here's what God did with Abram. He came to him and he says, I want you to leave this place of comfort and go to a land that I'll show you. I want you to finish this journey. And if you can see the sovereignty of God, he was already bringing Abram, which he had a plan for Abram already. He was already bringing Abram through his father's calling to the promised land. But they stopped. And so God intervened and said, hey, I want you to come with me. Leave all this. And listen, if you and I are going to embrace the adventure that God has for us, if we're going to engage with the move of God that's before us right now, it's going to require a couple things. You're going to have to sacrifice something. Here's Abram. He had everything he he needed. He had a basement, video games, pizza rolls, all that stuff. And God taps him on the shoulder and he says, Hey, all of this comfort that you have right here in Haran, I want you to leave it. And says he packed up and left his father's tent. Started following God and God took him to Canaan. And whenever he got there, he said, I promise you, I'm going to give all of this to your ancestors. And he didn't have any ancestors. God made a promise to him, and whenever he began to yoke himself into this promise and into this leadership of God in his life, he began to open his possibilities up to laying hold of the promise that God had laid before him, even from his mother's womb. So the first thing that you're going to have to do if you're going to embrace the adventure is you're going to have to sacrifice something. The second thing is this, you will have to overcome hardship. You'll have to. Whenever you begin to advance the kingdom of God and you begin to embrace that, you begin to challenge and confront darkness in your life and in the lives around you, you're going to stir some stuff up. The kingdom of darkness is not going to go away passively. But listen, Jesus said, no weapon formed against you will prosper You have it built inside of you because the DNA of God is residing inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have it built inside of you that you will overcome. And you are going to have to get it in you, in your character, that I every single hardship that I, I, I hit up against, it's like I don't quit whenever it gets hard. I just move forward. If you look at Abraham's story, as soon as he left his father's tent, he ran into a famine. The very next line, read it. very next line, now there was a famine in the land. 
As soon as he sets out on this journey, there wasn't any food. And so he stops in Egypt, and and while he's there, he runs into a dictator that he is intimidated by and who he thinks is going to kill him to sleep with his wife. He hits evil. He hits hardship. Things didn't just go rosy for him as soon as he agreed to advance God's purpose in his life. But he overcame. He took the next step. He did what God asked him to do next. And whenever you and I engage with God at that level, we will always overcome the hardships that lay before us. And here's the last thing. If you're willing to sacrifice something for God, and if you're willing to overcome the hardships that are before you, you will lay hold of the promise. God has a blessing for you in your life that you cannot even imagine. There's sometimes, I just, I, I suspect this, there's sometimes whenever the Holy Spirit tries to whisper that promise to you, and it makes you go, no, 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 no. It could never be that good. Listen, that's not Satan. He doesn't come and whisper good things to you. The Lord wants to give you a picture of His blessing on your life if you will engage in this adventure with Him. And the first thing that we sometimes do out of our flesh is go, no way. But listen, I want to challenge you to do something. Whenever you begin to entertain that blessing in your spirit, believe. Believe it. Allow yourself to believe there, to, to go there and believe that it could be that good for you. In Jesus, whenever you're willing to sacrifice, overcome hardship, and follow Him, you will lay hold of a blessing that will blow your mind. Now, you and I, if we're going to embrace this adventure to advance God's kingdom, are going to be called to bring order to chaos. Now, let me just tell you what that looks like in your life. It begins with you. If you leave this place today and you're like, yeah, let's go advance... Understand, the first place that you have to bring the reign of God to is your heart. It begins with you. You cannot bring order to the chaos that's around you if you do not start with yourself. And so, for some of us, the biggest thing that we can do is say, God, what is it that you want to do in me? How is it that you need to humble me? How is it that you need to work on my character? And then you can begin to look without, outside of yourself. Outside of who who you are in God. Once you begin to engage in that, and you don't have to have it perfect. You don't have to be a complete work, right? We're all in process. But at some point in time, God, if you're surrendering your heart to Him and laying it humbly before His throne, then He will begin to utilize you to bring order to the chaos that's around you, in your family, in your community, and beyond. The world needs the light that resides within you. Are you ready to fulfill your ministry? Are you ready to advance the kingdom of God? This is, I've tried to take some time to really unpack the heart of Jesus concerning the kingdom of heaven, but listen to me. You are essential to the movement of God. Jesus is on the throne. He's already accomplished. It's finished what He had to do. And now He is challenging and calling you and me to move the kingdom of heaven forward. How will they believe out there if we don't preach it? How will they perceive what it looks like if we don't live it and show them the picture of love? You and I are called to bring order to chaos just like Adam. We're going to be called out of our comfort just like Abram. And if we will participate with what God's asking of us, nobody else, 
You don't, you aren't responsible for anybody else. But if I will just be responsible for what God's asking of me, it will change the world around me. It will change me and it will change the world around me. This is that moment. Throughout history, there have been moments where it's just like the kingdom of heaven is so ready to just burst. And all God is looking for is some participation from His people. You want to look at the news and you want to shake your head and you want to go, man, I just can't believe that we're here. I get it. It's unbelievable what's going on in the world right now. It's really unbelievable. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come, actually. But here's the thing that I want you to get today is that we can all just sit here and go, you know, just kind of shake our head and go, man, I can't believe these people are just all crazy. But here is the thing that I cannot get away from. If the church does not stand up and shine the light, who will? Pastor Bo said this last week, it's not going to be the politicians that solve this for us, folks. I appreciate the, the job that, that governors and, and that, that, that the president does and, and politicians and all that stuff. I'm not disparaging that. It's needed, okay? We have to have policy for how our country is going to be run, how our local governments are going to be run, all that stuff. I'm not disparaging that. But this is the reality. They cannot change a heart issue. You understand? That's our domain. That is our authority. That, that's, what, that's the business that we as the people of God deal in. And so the call of this moment is, will you stand up and bear the banner of Jesus in the world? I'm not asking you to go down to Seattle and, and, do, and solve that problem. I'm not even asking you to go to Minneapolis and solve that problem. I'm asking you to be in Dumas, Texas, the light that God has called you to be. That's it. And as God calls you to somewhere else and He, he arranges and opens doors and opportunities for you in a different place, follow Allow the Lord to utilize you, and as you do that, the ripple effects will begin to gain momentum, and God's kingdom all behind you will begin to move. If you would stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team, and go ahead and come on up here. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us today, and I, just as I've been laying this challenge at your feet to advance and to accept this adventure... I think there's a response for us with the Lord. There's a response for you with what God is laying on your heart in this moment. You've been listening to these words and listen, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you what He's asking of you. I can't define that for you. That's between you and the Lord. But listen, you have some communion elements that you probably got whenever you came in. I want you to grab those and we're going to take communion as we worship. And as we do that, I want to give you this challenge. We talked about Abram and settling in Haran. And this is what I want to challenge you to, to not do. I want to challenge you to not settle for less than what is God's best for your life. And the best scenario for your life is for you to be fully engaged with God's move in your life to be fully engaged with His kingdom, to be fully engaged with His calling, to be fully engaged with the ministry that He has to accomplish through you. And so I want to just pray this prayer, and, and, and then Pastor Bo and the worship team are going to lead us in worship. But I want to ask you to just bow your head. Close your eyes. And if you feel God stirring you this morning, you feel God calling you into the advancement of His kingdom, I want to ask you to just raise your hand and respond to that. Say, God, I hear you. 
I know that you're asking me to move forward, to yoke myself with your spirit, to be involved with what you're doing in the world right now. And Father, as we raise our hands to you today, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would send your spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need the power and the passion that you've come to lay upon the people of God's heart. And as you begin to pour that out, God, I pray that you would make us witnesses. Make us witnesses to testify of your goodness, to testify of your grace and your love. Show us what you're asking us to do in this moment in history. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.